welcome to Lively Conversations brought to you by Table 112. Whether you're at the table, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope to inspire meaningful talks about life between parents and teens. I am your host, Dana Williams, and today I have a special parents-only bonus episode for you. Now, if you're watching this on video, you'll probably see right away that I'm not in my typical office setting. Um, Lexi and I actually left town this week in order to avoid the two hurricanes that were headed for Houston and narrowly missed us, and uh, we're just grateful and grieving at the same time for our neighbors in Louisiana. Um, so be praying for them. Um, but I have a great episode for you today. I got to chat with Alex Street. And let me just tell you a little bit about Alex. Alex is a story-focused speaker coach. He helps people share their story and connect with their audience. He has been a creative and courageous youth worker, actor, and public speaker for two decades. Alex's specialized blend of storytelling, captivating content, and a powerful performance sets him apart as a speaker and a coach for audiences of all generations. Alex has a master's in theological studies and he lives near Toronto, Ontario as a husband of 15 years and dad to three Gen Z kids. So as we jump into this conversation, I think you're gonna enjoy his perspective. Um, as somebody who's worked with Gen Z, he has a lot of knowledge and um, about who they are and what they need, and I think you're gonna like that. As a dad, he brings just a unique flavor and uh, I think it's gonna inspire you. And as a speaker, man, that guy just, he's always full of energy. You'll see that as we go on. So without any further ado, let's jump into my lively conversation with Alex. Hey there, and welcome to Lively Conversations, Alex. I'm so glad that you're here with us for this parents-only episode of the podcast. So we always love to start with a goofy icebreaker question. So here's my question for you. What is the strangest food you've ever tried? Ooh, that's great. So I, I, I have a ton of food allergies that have kept me from trying like, I would eat anything. Like I would yeah. go on Survivor and eat like the weird, crappy, weird stuff that <laughs> duck eggs and I don't know what that is um but I I don't know I guess crocodile I ate oh. that once uh-huh. and it was like on a like a kebab like a shish kebab thing and I, I was like I gotta order this it was in this in the restaurant and um yeah I was not impressed no <laughs> it's like, probably pretty chewy I would imagine <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was like overcooked pork I don't know it was yeah. They could have, they probably just put pork on a thing we're like ah we're a crocodile <laughs> restaurant like it was just a themed restaurant and they were like you're eating crocodile. I was like, I'm eating crocodile, but they were just faking it the whole time. So um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't branched out much in my food eating. But That's fair. That's anyway. fair. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and the work that you do. So good. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and have a wonderful wife of 15 years now. We just celebrated our 15th anniversary and we've got three kids, a 13 year old girl, 10 year old boy and an eight year old girl. We, uh, I mean, we, we started young and we had, you know, three kids before 30. We just got, got right into that and love it because that's everything that I've ever wanted to do. So I was a youth pastor for a long time, about 12 years in the church and then worked with a missionary organization as a youth worker as well. And like uh, speaking as a, in the leadership role, um, doing leadership development stuff and worked with another church for a bit. 
And now I'm out on my own. I'm freelance and I'm a speaker first and foremost as a speaker um, in any environment and specifically now doing a lot of speaker coaching with people and helping people who want to be speakers um, really work on their craft and, and what that's like. So I am like in my zone and awesome. it's, uh, it's a good time for us and our family. That's super cool. And if there's one thing I know about you, it's you always bring the energy. So <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to our conversation today. So I'm pretty sure that I came across you online when I was looking for other people who were interested and cared a lot about Gen Z. So I want to hear from you. You know, you have expressed a deep regard for NZ, or Gen Z. You love yeah. them very much. So what are some of the big picture themes parents should know about this generation? Yeah, yes, man, that's so good. Do How, how long do we have? Uh, this is, it, it's a fascinating time to be around. And so, I mean, this came from my many years of, of working with Gen Z as they were growing up before we even called them Gen Z. We thought everyone was just millennials under 35. And, and then we saw that there was a shift. Something happened. Something something changed that separates really kind of 23-year-olds and under down to about eight or nine years old now. We're seeing even there's a difference below that. And so that's what we're calling Gen Zs right now is kind of eight to 23 and something shifted between the millennials and now this generation and whatever you've got in your home, whoever you have, whether you've got this university student that's, that's almost graduating now or has graduated and is going into their career, or you've got the going off to university or going into high school, they're all kind of in the same generation. And what it really is, is this it's truly the digital native generation. The, mm. My favorite word is the screenagers. You know, they just, all that they've known is a world where the internet is completely accessible. I think that was the main thing that shifted because you look at like kind of 97 was the big shift. Yeah. And that was when the internet was just started to become a totally normal thing in our homes. Yeah. And so anybody born after that time then has now experienced this, that there was just a constant connection to the world. And so that's how they have been shaped and how that has now shaped the parenting of this generation is oh, a truly it's... fascinating topic of study. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm in it, obviously. Yeah. But to see how that, you know, how this generation grows up has shaped how they are parented, which shapes how they have grown up. And it's this truly fascinating cycle that I think is the same for every generation, obviously. But then we have to say, there's something completely unique about this one, the fact that they're just completely connected all the time. And that is, that's the main kind of big picture thing. Yeah. And then we can get into, you know, what they value, what their experiences and expectations are. That's a that's where we really get into, okay, well, so what do I do about this? Yeah, but, go for um, it. Paint that picture for us. Yeah, so good. I mean, this is this comes from, right, just doing really deep dive study on this so that I could go and help as many people as possible really understand and work with or live with the next generation as they come into the workplace or, or grow up. And in all of this, what I'm finding is that because of their experiences, these are their expectations. And their experiences would say that, you know, they expect coaching, they expect inclusion, they expect passion, they expect authenticity, and they expect collaboration. Wherever they are, you know, going into a workplace, these are things that they expect from their workplace. And 
I think even in the family, these are things that they expect in their schools. This is what they expect on their teams. These are the expectations and where the disconnect happens, where we see a real separation with parents and their kids or bosses and whatever teachers and their students is when the one generation sees this as like an entitlement Mm. or something like Mm -hmm. you want this thing. Well, you're just entitled. You don't know what you want or something like that. But the fascinating part about all of this, Dana, is that what they expect is what they expect because of the experience that we have created for them. Okay. Woo! <laughs> that's where it gets fun. <laughs> yeah. And that experience that's been created for them, would you say that that's all online or is that an in-person, like just a very like hands-on lived experience? Or yeah, is it I think- or both? Well, right. So, so they live, so take inclusion, for example, they want to have a voice at the table. They want to have a voice in, in decision-making because the experience that they have grown up with is what freedom to comment. Yeah. Absolute freedom to comment on anything in any forum, in any place. And so if you now, if they feel like their voice can't be heard, well, then it doesn't line up with what they've experienced in the rest of the world. So this conversation is out of place now from what they experience. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, Come to authenticity. As far as social media goes, it's them and their face, their friends faces on social media. Like I'm, I'm in my friends lives. It feels like, so Mm -hmm. everything that they see feels authentic. Right. And so then if they face, they come face to face with somebody who demonstrates a level of inauthenticity or doesn't admit their wrongs. I mean, talk about kind of leadership roles. Yeah. Somebody who shows, says something, but then acts a different way. There's just, there's so little room for that in their world. So of course, that's what they expect from right. their parents, from their leaders, their teachers, their principals. I, I mean, pastors, you know, presidents, whatever it is, that's yeah. what they expect is the level of authenticity that if they don't get it, then it's, it's really easy to, to cancel. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's such an interesting idea for us as parents, because, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, even just trying to live your life and be a person who is open to growing and to changing, like we're going to come across, we're going to come into things that we're not going to represent who we actually really want to be 100% of all 24 seven. Right. And so I think our kids have a front row seat to the times that we are not authentic about like that our walk doesn't and matter. This, and talk, it, what I'm trying to say. And it and all that they want is again that authenticity of like yeah. uh, that that accountability yeah. to a degree. Can I tell you a story about kind of, of course. facing this when I was a youth pastor? Uh, I'll never forget this this situation. There was a mom who was calling me um, because her daughter was breaking the rules. She was 15, but she said you know, I didn't want her to date until she's 16, but she's got a boyfriend now. And I tell her about that. I told her, I don't want her to go on this date, but then she goes out anyways. And it's causing all this, all these fights between us. So now I'm on the phone with the mom kind of saying, trying to understand the situation. Wait, what? So she's dating a year early than you want. And it's causing fights and, and disobedient. And you feel like she'll never respect you. Tell me more. Like <laughs> just asking the clarifying questions here. And, um, and as a mom, I can understand she's concerned because, you know, there's rules of rules. And I, I remember saying to her, so does your daughter know why that's the rule? Like, why 16? She's like, yeah. well, I mean, I've, I've told her that that's what the expectation is. It's like a quickie. 
so why is that the expectation? And she said, well, because when I was a kid, you know, I had a boyfriend at 14 and then I got, I, I just did too, too much. I got in too deep and it just, it really messed me up for how I viewed myself and viewed guys later on. And, and so I just wanted to, to at least give her that protection. And so I said, so you haven't told her that? She said, no, no, I don't want her to know that about me. Mm. I said, well, oh. I don't know what else we can do here. Like if you're not willing, and I mean, this was the, fun, this was, these were the fun parts of being a youth pastor where oh, I could totally. just step yeah. up and say, look, if, you, <laughs> if you're not willing to do that, then there's nothing I can do to help. So, yeah. and, and that's, what, that's what they're asking. So that was probably 10 years ago. And so now I would say a 16 year old today, that's the expectation even further. So it's always been the expectation. Just mm-hmm. tell me what, what you, like, why is that a rule? And I think yeah. maybe generations earlier, they just sort of took it as it was. And as we're going now, this generation for sure is saying, but why? Yeah. And, and when we're saying just because, <laughs> because it's I simply said. not enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because everywhere else, there is an explanation. There is an authenticity to what is going on. And if you're not going to give me that much, then, I mean, then why would I give it back? You expect authenticity from me, but you won't give it to me. Yeah. So, so yeah. there's just a, there's just a reality of kind of relationship here that I think is really showing up. And, and it's, again, I, what's fascinating to me is because it's all based in their experiences out in the world. Mm, that's yeah, that is really mm, lots to unpack there and lots to think about. So let's oh, go yes. a little further with this <laughs> and like talk about some practical ways that we can be better parents to Gen Z. Like how can we meet them where they are? How can we maintain this influence that we want to have with them? What are some practical things that we can do? Yeah. Um, man, that pursuit of better is, is interesting, isn't it? Like, I mean, just, I, I think that's it is, is looking at just how can I be a more present parent mm-hmm. might be even the, the question to ask, how can I be here? And I think as we look at what this generation is looking for in a world where they are constantly pulled all kinds of places, the temptation is there for them to go everywhere at any given time. Uh, How can you, how can you ground not only yourself and your, your kids individually, but like your whole family in being here. And I think that that is one significant way. If that's a word that you want to bring into your family to say like, you know, our family word is here. So when we're here, when we're at the table, we're here. Mm-hmm. When, when we're, you know, out for a walk, we're here. So it doesn't mean slap the phone out of their hand. It doesn't mean, <laughs> but it does mean there's an expectation that we are going to look at each other. We're going to listen to each other. We're going to truly engage in what's important to each other. We're going to ask questions. We're not going to separate and go and watch five different screens so that we can let's let's agree on one thing and be here together so i mean again any of those things there's such nitty-gritty things it's like yeah but sometimes that's all that you can find if that's all that you can do but have it be a a, an essence of here-ness i think will be so powerful to changing how our families grow and develop and and how you then launch these kids out into the world to um to show up for people I love that you said that because that's the whole heart behind this podcast, the Lively Conversations podcast on a normal episode is a conversation between parents and teenagers. And so that's, that's the thing we are using digital technology 
technology to spark a conversation where you can be here with your kids and you can actually hear what they're having to say uh, yeah. and like creating those spaces for that. I, I, and, and I love that you're giving like a lot of permission for that space to be different things. So it mm -hmm. may be around the dinner table. It may be on a family walk, like, but having some guarded time is what I'm hearing you say to have some time yeah. to say, put it away and let's like be with each other. Yeah. And it happens Great. really subtly. Right. I mean, just, just by, you know, you put down your, you're on your phone and then your teenager walks in the room just by, if you choose to immediately put your phone down and give them eye contact, what you're saying is I'm here. Yeah. We're here in this space. Now you can then go further on that and say, you know what? I was just finishing an email to somebody. Can I finish that? And then we'll, and then I'll, I want to hear what, what your day was like. That's totally possible and okay. But just that small action will start to uh, show a really big message that you're sending to your kids mm -hmm. to say, I'm here. And then eventually they'll see that, oh, I should be here as well. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great um, on-ramp to having those conversations. It's just yeah. that little tiny shift. I'm going to start paying attention to myself this week. And am, oh. I, do am I doing <laughs> that? Because I think I'm going to be like, Dana, come on now. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's tricky. It really yeah. is. And, yeah. and it, you're going to keep catching yourself. I mean, I really started to try to do this like six months ago. And then I just, I'm some days I'm great at it. And some days it's still like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what it is, but it's something's kind of pulling my attention away from them. And, and uh, if there's anything that this uh, generation is looking for more than anything else, it's, it's where is the attention? You know, mm -hmm. what are you paying attention to? And they're very keen to notice uh, where your attention is going. Is it going to me or is it going to your phone and whatever's on there? And yeah, it doesn't feel good if right. your attention is going somewhere else when I, when I need it. Anyways, yeah. we're, we can go way again, right? <laughs> way further into any of this, but um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I just hope it's helpful for somebody to, to go and, and, and try to change something in their house today that might have a really big impact. I love that. And I think that it's something for us to really pay attention to in this season of life where because of COVID, we are yeah. in like not present with people as much. And so our connectivity is through the phone. And so what, you know, even just examining ourselves and saying like, what's changed in my behavior in that, or has my behavior remained the same in a positive way or a negative way? And just really being honest with ourselves about that. That's a great, yeah. like a really great first step. I like it. And I think, and where this is to kind of package this all up, right? Where this is important is realizing that this isn't just about, oh, you're parenting teenagers. It's you're parenting a teenager that exists within this defined generation that mm -hmm. truly has values that we can look at and say, oh, this is what, this is what matters to them. And, and if you're ever confused on those, then ask them. Yeah. I mean, go to a book, but also ask them. But to recognize that there is something that we can understand about who this generation is because of how they've grown up in our Western culture that actually really explains a lot of why they think how they think or why they act how they act and how I can respond to that. So just to see that as part of this big picture package, mm -hmm. I found does help me understand and, and work with and live with my, uh, my young teens. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me because, you know, every generation has had, as you said earlier, every generation yeah. has had this like, um, understanding a communication gap between the previous generations because of our different experiences. And I love what you're saying about curiosity about it. I asked my teens about, um, 
on Instagram noticing that their friends had these spam accounts. And I was like, what's the deal with the spam accounts? Like, can you please explain this to me? And I thought, like, is this something where they're trying to have a ghost account that they hide from their parents? Or like, what yeah. is this? That was my thinking about it. But then to find out that their main account, they wanted it curated so that this is what the world sees about me. This is what I want them all to know about me. But their spam account, they felt a little more free to just be a little more like who they feel like they really are yeah. and not have to be so like perfect for the world. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting, helpful thing. And just being curious about it made such a difference. Go write a book about that, Dana. That's that's <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, just the yeah, the masks that we wear, the the duo personality, like any of that that comes up out of that, that's showing up out of that. Yeah, I, it's fascinating stuff. Truly, truly fascinating. And then to see that, oh, these are our kids. You go, oh yeah, like let's go yeah. ride a bike. Like, <laughs> they're not just a, a generation to be studied. They're humans that are developing and will be will shape this world. Yes. And riding a bike is a great way to put away the phones and be present, <laughs> Right. <laughs> by the way, to get back to that. But even that, even that realizing like our generation, we'll just say, well, I'm not going to put that online. If I don't want everybody to know that I'm not going to put that online and to know that our, our kids think about it differently, that they're going to say, well, I'll put it online, but it's only for this group of people that I trust mm -hmm. with that information. And so they're just recognizing how we approach it differently is probably like you're saying, realizing they think differently than we do. Is. Yeah. And, and I think that that comes up, that expands kind of the idea of digital versus kind of IRL in real life uh, friendships yeah. and relationships. And to this generation, one of the major factors is that there's, there's no separation. It's, it's, um, I mean, a, coin, a, a phrase that was coined by, um, I think it was this, the Jonas Stillman is, is uh, the fit, they're fidgetal. They live in a fidgetal world, physical and digital, the mm. fidgetal world that there's no difference. So you, you know, of course, there's always been people that you tell things to that you wouldn't tell to everyone. Right. So right. they're living that same friendship that we've all lived with. Yeah. They're just doing it on like through the conduit of Instagram yeah. or Snapchat, Snapchat, whatever that is. TikTok. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. And so, and for us to say, well, yeah, but that's just different for you. They would say, no, there's these, this is my friendship. This is how right. it works. And there's, there's simply no separation where for us, um, there's a very clear distinction. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of so many stories that go along with this. One, right. one that just happened recently is my son came home. He'd been with some friends. He came home. He was face like not FaceTiming, but he was on a video chat with somebody. He's like, what did he meet my new friend? Well, he'd made a friend who lives in Australia. They'd been talking for a couple of hours at that point already. And like we sat and had a conversation with him, my husband and I talked to him for another two hours, just chit-chatting about like, you know, life there and life here and the pandemic and what he was going to study. And like, it yeah. was just so fascinating to me. Like there was no difference to him. That's his friend. His friend just happens to live in Australia and it's no big deal. So <laughs> yeah. Imagine like pen pals that would have taken six Forever. months to have that conversation back and forth. <laughs> exactly. And you probably, yeah, I wouldn't have stuck with it. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. So you, I know that you're very passionate about telling great stories and you kind of uh, alluded to that as you were introducing yourself. I know it feels you're speaking and what you want to inspire in other influencers to do. Now, one of the big concepts here at Table 112 is that parents are influencers and we're the primary influencers influencers of our kids. So yeah. how can we, how could being a better storyteller help us be better parents? Oh, that is so good. 
I mean, immediately I think about parenting and storytelling, like, you know, you open the storybook at night. And this is the thing where I think most parents are better storytellers than they think they are. Because since your child was, you know, that little infant, that little toddler, and then went and got Goodnight Moon off the shelf, and then you, you open it up and you, you told that story, and ever so slightly you would change your voice. You know, as you're telling the story, you would get softer. Good night, bowl. Good night, mush. Good night, old lady whispering shush. I don't know what the <laughs> words are. Um, and 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 then you get into Dr. Seuss, and you would find a rhythm, and you would find kind of a you know a, the cadence to the story, and and then you find yourself telling this story in a really captivating way. And yeah. all along, what you've been trying to do is captivate your kids, keep mm. their attention in some way. And so this is where I think parents automatically have this like innate storytelling ability that many of us don't recognize that we have. And so then you get forward and you try to tell a story around the dinner table or everything. We think that that, and then we get lost because, oh no, now I need to come up with the content and how do I do this? But for all of us kind of in this abstract concept to be a storyteller simply means to frame what you've seen into a container that now we can tell forward or going forward. And so it's not just about telling a story, right? It's not just about telling like, wow, here's what happened earlier when we went on our, our walk in the woods. It was crazy. It was because it might not have been. <laughs> so sure. we don't make stuff up just for that. But, and even if there was, even if you went camping and there was a bear or you thought it was a bear, but it was actually raccoons and you called the park ranger and then they laughed at you, which was exactly what happened to me three years ago. <laughs> of course. That's how camping you can tell should that, be. <laughs> you could tell that story and it's fun and it's interesting. But here's the thing that I think to our kids and to our family, that element, that little story is something that they might tell forever because I've told it a few times. But it's more about creating the story overall that says, this is who our, this is who we are and this is what we're working towards. And so that's where like the elements of storytelling come in, I think to our family. Cause when I talk about telling a story, I just talked about it in three really basic elements, okay. which is like, you want to get forward and tell a story like Dana, you want to tell a story about, you know, how you started this podcast, right? You could yeah. say, you could say, Hey, I started this podcast because well, here I am. Great. That's who you are. That's, that's why you're doing this is what I believe should be said. We need lively conversations between parents and kids. Great. Okay. But what happened to get you here? Something happened, some inciting incident, some call to action made you say, I'm going to hit record. I'm yeah. buying the mic. I'm doing this thing. I'm asking my first guest on and I'm going to hit record. And even more scary than that is I'm going to hit publish on this thing <laughs> and tell people that I've done that. Something yeah. happened to make me get to this point. But even before that, you were somebody else. So that's, these are the elements of the story, who I was, what happened, and now who I am. Hmm. And I think as our family grows up, just recognizing that that's what you have, your family was something. Then something happened, and now you're this. Hmm. And that's kind of the overwhelming story that you can tell. So, you know, like even our family with our kids, we've changed, but like me and my wife were just me and my wife and yeah. we kind of had all these plans and adventures and everything. And that's, and we've always just been fun loving and everything. And then we had our, our daughter early on in our marriage yeah. and we were like, well, 
I guess now this is all for her. And since then, everything that we've done has been focused around family, not just us. And so then we're always thinking, what does that look like? And, and all that we have now is the tightness of the five of us. It's always about us. It's always about our team. So do you see what I mean? Like just telling, yeah. knowing how to tell that story from Goodnight Moon to your overall abstract kind of story that you're telling, it matters because it's what your kids, again, are going to take forward and pass on to anybody that they meet from here on forward. And they're going to take as their identity for mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is where I come from. Yeah. So looking, looking for those transformations that are happening within us and our relationships with each other and things like that. And then highlighting that, like, I love that you're saying it helps with identity because that is one of the key components of like traits that we hope to instill in, our, in the next generation is a solid identity. So telling stories can help with that. That's, that's well, even so good. coming back to the example yeah. earlier, right. Of the mom being like, Hey, this is who I was. This is what happened. And so that's why we have this rule. Mm-hmm. You tell that oh, yeah, story perfect. You've yeah. shown a transformation and that then gives weight to the, the thing that you're talking about. It gives the a arbitrary why. age of 16. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's, and that's what I mean. All, all that it is, is instead of just being kind of facts and, and giving, giving tips and tricks and rules and reg, whatever it is, we can tell simple transformational stories that will impact uh, our entire family and therefore our community, the world. I mean, it, it really has no end. And that's why I, I do this work. That's so cool. Okay. I, I feel like I just have a lot of things in that little bit of our conversation that I'm going to have to chew on for a while. So looking forward to the editing <laughs> process of this so I can do that and like rewind and play again. Um, okay. So if you're listening, Obviously, I hope that you'll reach out, ask me anything at any yeah. time for you, anybody listening, if you want more clarification on any of that, that's I'm here for it. So in terms of storytelling with our kids, sometimes we are the creators of the story. And I noticed that recently your daughter Bronwyn graduated, I think from eighth grade, right? Yes, right. And um, so in your family, you decided to create a story around that for her and you celebrated in a way that's similar to us. Uh, We've created some memorable moments along the way, Mm -hmm. intentional times where we would like carve out time. But can you tell us a little bit about how you made that moment memorable for her and any other mile markers that you've highlighted along the way that you want to just bring up? Yeah, it's so good. I mean, this, I got to give credit where it's due. This comes, comes from my mom. My mom was a storyteller. She was a stage actress. And so I learned everything I know about creating stories, making moments from her. And, uh, and she would do this. She would make parties. We had Easter parties at her house two two Easter's in a row where she said, come on over and um, just be prepared to dress up. Like, okay. Okay. All right. So then we got there and then she had each of us go into a room and come out. And then we realized pretty soon that we were all getting dressed up as Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And so my daughter was Snow White. My wife was Snow, a big version of Snow White. I was the prince. And then the rest of us were the dwarves. And then the next year was Alice in Wonderland. She had all these costumes. Oh I don't know what magic. <laughs> anyway, so I take that from her. And then thinking about creating memories, creating moments Um, ultimately what I learned from her is that we have the ability to create moments that tell a story that shape our world. And so the moment when my daughter graduated, she's in eighth grade, she loses everything that she expected about her eighth grade year with the pandemic, like every other student and and all those things. And there's all these hopes and expectations for what that would look like. And 
I mean, I was a junior high youth pastor. So we did this junior high grad banquet every year anyways, where I would invite all the, you know, get all the kids there, get all the parents there. And we'd give out these kooky awards for like, hey, you're the Miss Congeniality Award. And then we'd say something real about their personality and give them an award on stage. It's it's great. Amazing time. Just beautiful parties where kids could see how the youth leaders had cared about them and actually saw them for who they were. Mm, and just were another voice in their life right so talk about widening the table and all kinds of things it was really intentional around that and so then now we are here I've got my daughter who's graduating junior high (laughs) and I have this opportunity to do this so let's do that let's invite the family here and now like restrictions just expanded so we can actually have grow our bubble our our pandemic bubble (laughs) and uh, (laughs) we could do something out on the deck and, and we wanted to celebrate her. We wanted to create, start creating this crappy like graduation program. And I pretended to be the, the awkward principal giving the welcoming speech and all that sort of stuff. Like we just went for it. And my favorite moment was when we have a scrapbook of her of like every day, every school year, like her school photo. And then, so you know how like grade eight grads, they always have like a, a slideshow and they show the kid like this kid as a baby and then this kid in their grad picture. And inevitably, the song that they play is Green Day, Time of Your Life. <laughs> Every single freaking thing. Because again, eight years of junior high uh, youth pastor, I would go to these grads and like four of them a year in every oh, school. Yeah. <laughs> it was that it's the recipe, man. <laughs> so then we created this. So that, so that I got my, little, my other two kids to hold this scrapbook. I was like, we're going to do a slideshow now. So they just came up, held the scrapbook and flipped the pages while I just played Time of Your Life on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't handle it. I was losing it. I was laughing. So hokey. So I love it. <laughs> and so then, I mean, we had a moment and, and she wrote a speech. She wrote a freaking wow. valedictorian speech because she was <laughs> yes. the valedictorian of her own grad. We gave her every award that there was, mm-hmm. uh, the math award. And then we gave her an actual special one. We said our words about her and we just all had it for half an hour. She was everything. And, and I think in a time when it seemed like a lot of our identities got shifted and changed, you know, where we go during the day and what we do and who our friends are and how we hang out and how we interact with the world. I felt that it was really important to make sure that she knew that we still saw her Mm -hmm. and we know who she is and we are so unbelievably proud of her. So here's a party and let's make a moment out of this. Yeah. And I hope, I expect that that's a story that not only her, but everybody who was there will be telling for a lot of years. Yeah. And that more than that, it will tell the story that says that, you know, my parents saw me for who I was since I was a kid. Yeah. So um, good. And so that's, I think, right. So you create a moment that tells a story that then will carry forward. And as she launches out in the world, will keep her trying to do that same thing for anybody that she comes across. So that that's the value of it, right? I mean, that's what those moments mean. I, I love that you also tapped into like your own bent, your own experiences to provide that for her. And I want to give the parents who are listening permission to yeah. do that. Like if you're not a stage person, if like creating a big silly slideshow and all of the, like acting like the awkward principal, like if that's yep. not you, like you could do this in your own way. Like if you're, if you're an outdoor type, like get around the campfire with some people, as long as there's no burn bands, which there's plenty of burn bands in Texas <laughs> right now, but like um, get around the campfire and have those conversations yep. or like, you know, if you're more, whatever your style is, like 
apply that to this idea of creating a moment for your kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's any, this is the thing. We just find whatever opportunity we can to celebrate, you know, birthdays, they don't always have to be the big birthday party deal, but birthdays themselves are big in our house. Like just in the fact that today is that person's day and they could like, we really pay attention to it because I mean, you just don't know when you won't have one of those. You just don't know. And so let's, let's celebrate what we've got right here. And also everybody deserves because it says everybody deserves a standing ovation at some point in their life. You know, everybody deserves that sort of attention because everybody's worthy of this. And for the people around them to come around and say, this is what I see in you. If we don't take that intentionality, that person may not ever seek it out on their own and may not hear that. So us as parents at the very least, right. It doesn't need all the glitz and glamor of all that stuff. It doesn't need the goofy presentation all all that it needs is a few people to sit around and say this is what i see in you and we're taking time out of our day to intentionally say this yeah and those words are going to stick yeah and i'm hearing you say this and thinking of something that happened in our house just this week so um we have one of those gigantic ruler things where we measure the kids heights and my two kids are about six months apart so on their birthdays we measure it's not a big ritual but we always measure on both of their birthdays and kind of track that and compare like oh Lexi's taller than Justice was at this age because preteen girls are usually taller than the boys Uh but this week uh Justice had a friend over and there was a a conversation about their height comparison with each other. And my daughter grabs the pen and says, we've got to mark your height on the ruler. And then there was this little conversation that ensued about being part of the family and just like this embrace for her. And I don't know, like there was, it was not a big moment. And this this is what you said. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just this moment of like, you belong here. And like, you're our son's friend. So you're like, you belong to us. So anyways, whatever that's worth just like it doesn't have to be huge but like look for those moments where you can make sure that your kids and even their friends know that they belong so and this is like the amount of people that i'm that i coach as adults that like a lot of the work that i do in coaching like life coaching kind of stuff is we look back at your story and see what showed up you know in zero to ten years old ten to twenty years old twenty like what showed up in those times that demonstrate your strengths skills and passions and all that stuff so a lot of the work that i do with people is going back in their story and this is what I, this is why I care so much about this because what shows up is people tell those kind of stories as adults yes. and they say that kind of stuff. They're like, you know, there was this moment I was in my friend's house and <laughs> they marked my height on their calendar or on their, their ruler. Yeah. I don't know. Like I felt like I was part of a family bigger than mine yeah. since I was 12 years old or whatever, right? That yeah. sort of those sort of things yeah yeah right (laughs) sorry so i don't know what it is but those and you don't know what it is you don't know what moments are going to stick and and for better or worse but when you start thinking in story in storytelling you start thinking that any of these moments could be a story that they tell and so what story do i want them to tell yeah uh so good well and you know one of the stories that our our family likes i i would say identifies our family is just this inclusion of other people as part of our family. My daughter was talking the other day about a lady, a friend of mine who she calls aunt Teresa. 
And like, she had to explain to her friend that she's not really her aunt. Like there's no relation or anything like that, but (laughs) she's her aunt. And so anyways, yeah, like those kind of stories, like they shape who our kids see themselves as and who they'll probably become as an adult one day. Okay. So we probably ought to wrap this up. This has been (laughs) an enlightening conversation and so many good nuggets for us to take away, especially about who is Gen Z? How do we really engage them as their parents, realizing that we have a different perspective than they do. And then of course, the piece about creating moments and telling telling stories through the moments that we create. So how can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, that's great. So, uh, I mean, my website is alexstreet.ca and you can find me there and find out what I'm doing there uh, as far as coaching and speaking stuff goes. And then I really hang out on Instagram. That's my main social space. So uh, you can find me at Street Says there on Instagram. And uh, yeah, shoot me a DM. Let me know that you heard this, listened to this, and something that jumped out to you. I'm all here for all the conversations and want to celebrate whatever you're doing and, and help out in any way that I can. All right. Sounds good. So because the show is Lively Conversations, here's my question for you. You get three blanks for me today. Blank is life, blank is life, and blank is life. What is life for you today, Alex? <laughs> so for me, do I get explanations with any of these? Like oh, yeah. short or do I just, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> okay. So let's say, I'm going to say Lego is life. Okay. We, are, we have torn down and we are rebuilding our entire Lego catalog in our house. Oh, and there's a okay. lot of it. So that's kind of happening down. That's our entire house is Lego everywhere. For me okay. um, today, Disney movies are life. And mm-hmm. it's at the beginning of pandemic, we set out to watch all the Pixar movies and uh-huh. then all the official Disney animation studios films. And there are some terrible ones. Yes. The old we're ones getting are through. so shocking. <laughs> so, and very racist. And there are so many um Hard ones to get through, but we're getting to the golden age here. So we're really excited about it. But that's like a nightly thing that, that we, we've dived or diving into. And then um, for me right now, I think outside is life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, like I said earlier, Toronto in the summer is one of the most beautiful places on earth. The winter, different story. Not but so for much. right now, we've got everything right here. And it's, it's really it's been a stunning summer to just be outside. So I'm loving, loving it. Sounds like a great list. I love it. Wasn't that a fun conversation, Alex? He just, like I said, brings the energy and his advice to us about connecting with Gen Z, I think is super helpful that the authenticity piece is critical as we get to um, to spend time with and listen to our kids and have conversations. I think it's important that we realize that we need to bring our own authenticity to that because they, they can smell it out. They really can. And that builds trust when we bring that there. The other thing that I just loved was his admonition to us to, to just tell a better story in our family. Uh, and that that doesn't have to be a big thing and it can be your way of doing it. So I hope that you're stepping away with something there and then creating that memorable moment for his daughter. Uh, I just love that and resonate with that. If you wanna hear a little bit more about ours, um, about our milestone journey with our kids, I will link to that in the show notes. There's an episode where we, we talk about milestone birthdays and how we engaged our kids and just living a better story through that. So. I hope this encouraged you. I hope that it lifts your spirits this week as a parent, as we're living in a really incredible story of 2020, that it just inspires you to 
to take your little piece of that by the reins and be authentic and make the most of what you possibly can. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week at the table. Bye now. Bye.